0: But today we're starting a new series. The series is called Going Below the Surface, Having a Biblical Worldview. Now, we don't use that terminology a whole lot. We uh, we try to talk about a worldview and understanding who God is and those kind of things. But I can remember, though I grew up in church, I knew what it meant to be have a church worldview. But I didn't know what it meant to have a biblical worldview. Then when I was 17 years old my youth pastor, Tom Howe, challenged us from Ezra 7.10, and he said, that passage says, for Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach the laws and statutes to Israel. And I committed myself as a 17-year-old to begin to study the scriptures, to seek to live what the scriptures say, and to teach it to others. And I've let that that verse guide me for the rest of my life and so it's coming up now on 40 years that I've been doing that and so what that was is I began to understand what it meant to have a biblical worldview to guide my decision making to guide everything I am based upon what the scriptures say Not based upon what I'm taught, not based upon what my family wants me to do, not based upon what my friends want me to do, but what does Scripture say. And so that's what we're going to be talking about as a biblical worldview. And so with that, uh, the reason we're talking about going below the surface is, I've seen an illustration before, I really liked it, and I think it really clarifies what we're trying to talk about, and that is an iceberg. The iceberg, what you see above the surface is really, just a very little bit of what the iceberg is about. you see this this above the surface? And we can observe that. But below the surface, it's usually much deeper. It's a lot more secure. And it's what keeps that iceberg grounded where it is. And so the idea there is, as we begin to build a biblical worldview, I want us to look at four aspects that are there in a biblical worldview that talk about from the iceberg perspective. So... Let's say iceberg there, what's above the surface, that would be our behaviors. That would be those things that are obvious to everyone around us, certain aspects about our life. Jesus says you'll know them by their fruit. He tells us in John uh, chapter 15 that we will bear fruit. And so as we begin to bear fruit, that fruit is what you see. You go out to a vineyard, you're going to see the grapes you're going to see the vine, but you don't see what's happening underneath the surface. You don't see what's happening in the vine and in the branches to make that fruit uh, successful. What you see is the fruit. And so what we see is above the surface, it's our behaviors. It's how we live. It's what people see on a daily basis that prove whether or not what's underneath the surface is true, because it'll show people what we truly believe, what are our true values, what our worldview is by how we live. So then the next thing is right below the surface would be our values. That so This idea is I live a certain way. I have certain actions that I have with Judy because I value my marriage. I see my marriage is important. I see Judy is important. So I do certain things, say certain things, act certain ways in my marriage because of the value that I have. Now that value is based on a belief That belief is that my marriage is to reflect and honor the Lord. My marriage is set up by the Lord for a reason. And that it's it's important for me to remain faithful to my wife, to love my wife, to be the example of Christ to my wife. Because that's what scripture calls me to do. I have that belief system. And that belief system is rooted in a worldview that says marriage as a whole is a reflection of who God is. You have two distinct people, male and female, who become one. The Godhead is three distinct people, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are one. And so our marriage reflects that to the world. So there's this worldview that guides my beliefs, that guides my values, that guides my behaviors. And so as we're beginning to think through those different things, I want us to look today in Colossians chapter 3 at understanding what it means to have a mind that is established on a biblical worldview. So let's look at Colossians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 4 says this, from Paul of how we're to live a certain way. The book of Colossians over and over again talks about that and we'll talk a little bit more uh, later on about how we can understand and know Colossians a little bit better. But Colossians 3, 1-4 gives us a foundation. But we want to talk about, we want to start with our iceberg illustration with those things that we see above the, the surface. And so Paul begins in verse 5, he says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. He goes on to say, put on the, excuse me, put on then as God's chosen, holy ones, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness. Patience, bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. See, Colossians 3, 5 through chapter 4, verse 6, lists different ways that we are to act. Certain lifestyles, behaviors that we are to implement. Certain attitudes that we are to implement. He talks about husbands and wives and and parents and children and bosses and and workers and all these different ways that we're to live. And to be honest, most of the time as Christians, that's what we talk about. We talk about, we have sermons that are 10 steps to how to live a godly life or, or five steps to a godly marriage or whatever it is. And we have these different behaviors that we want to implement. And we even begin to do that in our in our lives when we come to the new year. We have New Year's resolutions. And we hear it all the time. Everybody laughs about it and jokes about it that you know you make a New Year's resolution and by January 5th you've already blown it. Well that's because most of the time we make unrealistic resolutions for one thing, but we also are trying to make changes in our lives of our lifestyle. But we haven't changed our values and our beliefs and our worldview yet. Whether that's biblically or even I want to lose weight. So I we say I want to lose weight and I'm going to do this in in 2021. I'm going to lose 25 pounds. And so we value that. We see it's important. But you know what? We value cake and cookies and donuts also. And so we continue to eat the cake and cookies and donuts because we value those more than we do exercise and eating right and so therefore we don't change our lifestyle we think we're going to and we may even decide we're going to go out and buy some running shoes we're going to buy an elliptical machine we're going to god do all these different things to make our lifestyle different but if we don't change our values and our beliefs and our worldview then we're not going to change those things and the same thing is true biblically we can look at this list that says put off sexual immorality and impurity and passion and evil desire and covetousness to not be angry and wrathful and malice and to put on kindness and compassion sounds great and we can say starting tomorrow i'm going to be compassionate and then starting tomorrow somebody just irritates the daylights out of us and we're not compassionate anymore because it's not a value it's not a belief it's not a worldview change We're just trying to change in action. So so behavior is important. They reflect who we are. They reflect what we believe and our values and those things. And they they show people the fruit of our lives. But just changing behavior isn't going to do it because we don't have the ability in our own strength to change the behaviors that will bring God honor and glory. So above the surface, we're to have these putting off certain things, putting on certain things. But why do we do that? Well, it's based in certain values that Paul lists here in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He says this, If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Now, is Paul calling us to be astronomers? I know. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we got a chance to see Jupiter and Saturn close, so close together that it was a brighter star. And we could look at this and we could say, wow, I mean, even people call it the Bethlehem star. That this is what had probably happened. And we can get into all kinds of biblical and theological discussion on that. But the point is, we look to the sky to see this. Well, that's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about everybody deciding to go out and lay out in a field somewhere and stare up at the stars and be excited about what's going on. Nothing wrong with that. It helps us to have an appreciation for who God is. But he's talking about seeking those things that are on God's heart, seeking those things that please God, seeking those things that he desires. In John, when we we read the story of the Last Supper, and Jesus says, one of you are going to betray me, and all the people start asking, who is it? Is it me? Is it me? Well they, the implication is they lean over and they ask John, who is laying on Jesus' chest, and they say, hey, is it me? And so John leans and asks Jesus, and Jesus tells him who it's gonna be. But it's because John is so close to Jesus, he hears his heart. In the Old Testament, David, uh, King David wanted water from a well in Bethlehem. Problem was Bethlehem was surrounded by the Philistines who were the enemy. The three men heard David's heart and snuck behind enemy lines and got him water and brought it to him because they wanted to please their king. That's what setting our mind on the things above is, is getting to understand and know what God's heart, what God's desire, what God's will is so we can live that way. Those are values. It means that we are now valuing what is important to God. Therefore, our lifestyle changes. So we we want to change our lifestyle, but to do that, we've got to set our minds on those things that are important to God and those things that he calls us to, those things that are his will, his desire, so that we can change that lifestyle. So, So our behaviors are based in this value. But what is this value based in? This value is based in a belief. And what is that belief? He says here, you have been raised with Christ. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ. See, as I begin to understand and know, as Paul says in Corinthians, that the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That as Paul says in Romans chapter six, let's read that passage For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we are no longer slaves to sin. We are, for he who died has been set free from sin. and we have died with Christ. We believe that we will also live with him. And he goes on verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. See, the belief is, I died with Christ. I no longer am a slave to sin. I have been set free. Paul says in Corinthians that he is our righteousness and our sanctification. He took care of that for us. He took care of the sin problem. And so it's not a matter of me deciding I've got to fight sin and because I've got to struggle to gain victory over sin. It's that I fight from the victory he's already accomplished for me. It's no longer a matter of sin can control me because I died to sin. And because I believe that, Therefore, I value knowing what God's heartbeat is so I can live the way he wants me to live. And I get rid of those sinful things and I put on the things that bring him honor and glory. So it just is that constant building, that that constantly going below the surface to see what it is that guides our behaviors. And so we see that our behaviors are guided by our values. Our values are guided by our beliefs. But our beliefs have to be guided by a world view have to be something that says this is because this is true then I can live a certain way but what is that worldview that he teaches us here he says in verse 4 of chapter 3 when Christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory I used to ask teenagers when I was a youth pastor does Jesus want to be first in your life and of course all of them said well yes he wants to be first in my life And I would say, no, he doesn't. He doesn't want to be first in your life. He wants to be your life. See, first means he's here and family's here and fun's here, whatever it is. And any of those things can start shifting around places. Christ doesn't want to be up here and then other things fall in line behind him. He wants to be in control of all those things. He wants your life to be so centered on him that people see him when they see you. Paul said in Philippians 1, for me to live is Christ. To live is Christ. He didn't say for me to live is to be like Christ. He didn't say for me to live is to try to do the things that are good and to be what God wants me to be. He said for me to live is Christ. He said in Galatians chapter 2, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live by faith, I live by, I mean, live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me and loves me. And so he, he's saying Christ is my life. So the foundation of it all is Christ is my life. Therefore, I need to understand and believe that I died. Wade Hobbs died with Christ. And and so I reflect who he is. I died with him. I was raised with him. Therefore, it changes my values because now I want to understand and know what his heartbeat is, what his desires are to hear from him so that I can live a certain way. And if we get those backwards, if we try to live a certain way so that we can be in Christ, we've now become a religion and not Christianity. Religion says I have to live a certain way to please God. Christianity says I can't live a certain way to please God. I have to change. I have to fundamentally change. And that fundamental change comes in the fact that I died with Christ, I rose with Christ, and now Christ is my life. He is everything. He guides my decision making. He guides my understanding of scripture. He guides my uh, relationships with people. He guides my tongue. He guides my thought process. He is my life. And so as we are establishing our minds in Christ and understanding who he is and allowing him to be all that he is in us, then we can begin to change our beliefs and begin to understand and know and believe what he tells us is true so that we have certain values and we live certain ways. So we don't want to get those mixed up. And so in these next few weeks, as we study different ways of understanding a biblical worldview, understanding that this should guide us. Now, granted, there are times when I don't understand this. I've been studying this for 40 years now. And there's still times I go, ah, I'm not sure what's being said here. But the mindset is I'm going to keep studying. As Ezra said, I set his heart to study. I set my heart at 17 to study, to know this book so that I can understand How it changes who I am. And I can help others to understand who they are in Christ. That they can have certain belief systems, certain values so that lives can change. And God can be glorified. Because that's what it's all about. No matter what we do in life, we're to bring Him honor and glory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you are our life. That you took away the old person who continually wants to sin, that that person died, and help me to live the truth that that person died and quit going back and trying to raise him up so that I can can do things that I shouldn't be doing. Lord, help us to live in the assurance that Christ is our life, for us to live as Christ and to die as gain. That we've been crucified with Christ is no longer we who live. But Christ lives in us. That our lives are hidden with Christ. Because Christ, who is our life, is who guides us. And so we just uh, are are so thankful for you and all that you do. We love you and we want to honor you through our lives. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Again, we're going to be doing these virtual for the next few weeks. Um. Just wanted to let you in on that. You can follow us um, uh, at thisiscitychurch.com. If you have any questions, then you can get on there and send an email to info at com or elders at this If you have any prayer requests, we have prayer at thisiscitychurch.com. And so we want to hear from you. If there's any way we can help, anything we can do to guide you, any way that you can have questions about our church, Whatever it is or questions about following the Lord, feel free to email us and we'll get back to you. And I hope you have a great day.